Our scripture passage today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 30. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the, the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, God. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Kenny Cluett. I'm one of the associate pastors here. In particular, I work with Extension Ministries, um, which is kind of our partnerships in the city, like KCRM. <laughs> I was going to say KCUR, but that's something else. Um, and, and also globally. And um, I just got back from a trip to Spain. It actually didn't have too much to do with what I do, but more my, my wife and I were from Spain originally and spent some time here in the States. And our plan is to go back in a year. So I was back there with our church I'm kind of seeing it. So I have some pictures just to share with you. Um, and th- this first picture is my attempt to kind of show Madrid. This is the city we're from. It's not a great picture. I'm sorry. That is not my primary gift. Um, but th- this, is, this is really near to where we live in, or where we lived when we were there in the church um, in the city of Madrid. It's called, this neighborhood is called Church. Can you guess why? Because there's a church. You see that? Um, sorry. And so the, the next picture is, is just a little picture of this church. And I just wanted to share this with you. Um, we, we outgrew our space, and in the city, in big cities like Madrid, Madrid's about 6 million people, it's really hard to buy or, or to even rent property, especially downtown. So we actually meet in this bar. It's like a music bar, um, which is, is kind of famous because a lot of the more famous, Christ, not Christian, um, non-Christian artists started in this place, um, and also a lot of really strange parties. So that's kind of the entrance as we're getting, we're, we're getting set up for the day, and if you look at the next picture... This is kind of what it looks like. There are people in the seats when the service starts. This is just the practice. 
And see, at the back, that sign says Cristo, which means Christ, kind of to help people. They're coming in, you know, maybe wanting to get, oh, this is something different. (laughs) You know, just in case. No, I'm sure there's more reasons for that, but um, just a a really lovely place. If we go to the next picture, I just wanted to show this. This was at our young adults gathering, and I was able to share there. And then at the end, after we had had some snacks and stuff, they called everyone together. They're not doing some cultish thing there. What they're doing is they're actually praying for a guy. You can't see him. Um, but th- this is a very diverse group. There's people from Spain, from Latin America, and even some people from the United States. Uh, Madrid's a huge university town. There's, I think there's like 500,000 university si- students that live in the city. Um, so a lot of Americans often come. And, and this guy, they're praying for an American guy who's about to come back to the States. And I don't know his full story, but apparently while he was there in Spain, he kind of reconnected with God and with the church. Um, and it, it was just so cool to see as, as I'm going there like, you know, here I'm coming from the States. They're sending someone back to the States to kind of share his faith and to, and to continue to build God's kingdom. So it's just fun to see, and I wanted to share that with you. Um, and it's, it's sort of relevant to the message this morning because often we can get, um, we can start thinking that our expression of church, what we know about church, is the only expression of church. And when you travel, you realize, that it, well, when you travel like, globally, but even locally, when you travel kind of east of here um, or, or north of here, north um, or, or west or di- different places, you start seeing these churches where God's doing amazing stuff. And I know for myself, even going back, I was like, oh, there's all this knowledge I can share with people. I know so much about the gospel now. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say that, but I sort of thought that, and I get there. And all this stuff that God's teaching me through books is happening in this community. Um, and it was just so cool to see how God really is working through his church in different places around the world. And we're just a small part of that, and it's wonderful to be a small part of that. But let us never think that we have, we say this in Spanish, la sopa de ajo, which means um, garlic soup. Apparently, your grandmother's garlic soup recipe is like the soup. We don't have the recipe with ourselves. Christ has that recipe for our garlic soup. Remember that. (laughs) So um, anyway, on that note, let's start. Um, So one thing that, that defines me as a person is I'm a TCK. And that's not just a cool rap word um, or whatever it is, but there's a few of you out there that are going, mm-hmm, we know what that is. And what it means is a third culture kid. So what, what defines third culture kids is basically um, you, you were born in one culture and you grew up in another. So for me, I was actually born in the United States, in Oregon, of all places. Um, and when I was about six, we moved to Spain. And I grew up in Barcelona, which is the city in Spain that's kind of a unique city as well uh, that, that's different from Spain. So I always grew up with two cultures and never quite... Um, be able to figure out which one's my primary culture. That's what a third culture kid is. And there's some real cool perks to this. We get to show off useless cultural information to people, right? So, so like, I could tell you the rain in Spain actually does not fall on the plains, but it actually falls in the mountains, especially in the Northeast. And, and you know, people love this. <laughs> no. Or, um, you know, or I can kindly point out to Americans that American football is not known in any other country and no one cares. Um, and they love that, too. You know, I'm just loved in this country, um, um, but but there's, also, there, there's also some hard stuff to it. And one of the hard things is we never quite feel like we belong. Um, and, y- you know, you say, oh, it can't be that bad. But, look, I, I come to the States. This is my country, right? And, and people say, wow, yeah, that's such a cute European accent. I'm like, what, what is a European accent? Um, you, you know, or, or I try to talk about, I try to understand politics, and I'm told, no, you, you don't think like us. Um, or I try to watch a baseball game, and unless it's the World Series... It's really hard to watch and not fall asleep, but I try, I promise. Um, and, and you'd say, well, well, that's because you're from Spain. Well, well, I go back to Spain, 
It's the same kind of thing. I just don't pick up certain cultural cues. I just don't get them. Um, or I try to talk about something like, well, you're not from here. You don't get it. And we constantly are in this state of never quite belonging. And I'm not saying this for your pity or compassion, actually. I'm saying this because when I, when I talk about this, what I find out is everyone kind of feels like that most of the time. It's not just third culture kids. We, we have a reason and we have an explanation of why it happens, but everyone kind of feels that way. Maybe it's even worse if it is your culture, it is your family, it is your city, and you just don't feel like you belong. And maybe you're here this morning, or uh, actually, I was going to say there's a song by Radiohead that, that sums this up really well. You may have heard this song before. It, it goes like this. It says, I wish I was special. You're so very special, but I'm a creep. Um, I'm a weirdo. What am I doing here? <laughs> I don't belong here. And what, what's great about this song is I have no idea what he's talking about, but we all know exactly what he's talking about, right? Um, and maybe you're, you're feeling that way this morning. Maybe you're here and you, you haven't been in church in a long time or ever, and you're just really uncomfortable. You're like, this pastor just quoted Radiohead almost at a swear word. Um, what is, what's wrong with this place? And I get it. It's, it's hard. Um, and I just want to say, there's only about 45 minutes left. You're going to make it. <laughs> um, but maybe you do come to church a lot more often, and, and it's, it's almost worse, right? Because you don't quite feel like you belong. You, you, you've tried to make friends. It hasn't just worked out. It hasn't quite worked out. Um, and maybe you think, oh, I'm surrounded by all these. Oh, everyone else is so much smarter and so much more talented and so much more gifted. And they know what's going on. They get when you're supposed to stand and sit or, or, or whatever. Um, or maybe it's the other way around. You're like, man, this is just a pack of losers. Like, what am I doing here with all these people? And you're saying, I'm so much more gifted and so much better than all these people. Why am I? Um, and you may not say it that clearly, but maybe that's what you're thinking. And you're saying, how come no one recognizes my gifts and all the wonderful things I have to bring to this community? And see, both of them, it's the same thing. You want to belong, but it just isn't happening. Um, and maybe, maybe it's been going on for a while. Maybe you've been church hopping, trying to find a place to plug into, a place that finally values your gifts. Or the other way around, that doesn't ask you about your gifts. You can just sit in the back and no one bothers you. Well, um, and, and maybe it's not church for you. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's your city. Maybe it's even your country, your nationality, your color. I don't know. There's, there's a place where you just don't feel like you belong. And what's, what's fascinating is the letter that we're reading now as a church, we're reading 1 Corinthians. And the text we're going to touch on today addresses that. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing this church that's incredibly diverse, economically, racially, ethnically, men and women in leadership. There's all kinds of stuff going on in this church. Um, and, and the chapter we're in right now, they're starting to, he's starting to talk about these spiritual gifts. And people are saying, well, I have this administrative gift, and it's so much better than these other gifts. Or this other group is saying, tongues is the most important gift. Or, and, they're, and they're starting to divide, and there are these people that are being left out, and they're feeling like they don't belong. And this is the message that Paul's saying to the church this morning. This is the message Paul's saying to us this morning. You belong. You belong. He's saying, no matter where you come from, no matter what your gifting is, no matter what you look like, you belong here. Um, so I want to look at this in three ways. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open it to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. If you have a community Bible, this is page 959. And so as, as Paul talks about belonging, there's, there's three ways he's looking at this. Um, so let's dig straight in. We'll start with the first way. And this is what Paul's saying, you belong here. You belong here. Um, and, and what's interesting about this, we'll look at the language in the beginning. He talked about this oneness a lot. He said, you belong in one place. And he's talking about the local church. He's saying, you belong here, this one place in the church. So let's read verses 12 to 14. I'm going to read those. Um, and notice how, notice how much he talks about this oneness. Let's, let's give it a look. 
It says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And then if we go down to verse 20, if you go down to verse 20, he kind of sums this up and says, as it is, there are many parts, but what? Yet one body. You say, well, what, what exactly is Paul talking about? And something that is interesting here is he talks about this one baptism. Like, why what does baptism have to do with this, right? But baptism represents um, our, it's the, it's the symbolic act that represents our conversion, uh, becoming a Christian. That's what baptism is. And what, when, you look, when you think of baptism, um, th- there's kind of three processes, right? You're alive, then you're in the water, or, or water's put over you, and, and you're dead, and then you're alive again, right? <laughs> it's kind of weird. If you think of it too much, it gets really freaky. But that's kind of the idea of baptism. That's what baptism represents, and Paul talks about this in other letters. And what he's saying here is when you become a Christian, when you go through that process, I mean, baptism isn't the thing that saves you, but baptism represents what the conversion is. When you become a Christian, you die to your former self and the identities and the things that in the former self made you belong, and you belong to a new community. You belong to a new person, saying you become one with Christ. You become united with Christ. And that has two aspects, right? You become united with Christ um, as the cosmic Christ who gives you his righteousness and takes your sin, but also you become united to Christ as the body, as us, as the church. And what Paul's saying is, look, when you become a Christian, your identity is completely new. You're new. You can't continue belonging or, or in the ways that you belonged before. And the implication for us is this. When, when you belong, you become part of the church. When you become a Christian, you become part of the church. There's no other way to belong. What's fascinating here, you notice he said Jews or Greeks, free or... What he's saying is those old identities, the things that used to define us, we'd say, I belong... To, to, what, to, to my country or to my family or, or to my color or, to, or, or to, to whatever thing we belong, that's no longer relevant. It doesn't mean you lose it. You don't stop being an American by being baptized. Although in some countries, because the allegiance is so different, you kind of do. Um, but we won't get into that. <laughs> but you, 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 don't, or you, don't, you don't suddenly become another color or, or, or another race or you don't, um, you know, things don't change your ethnicity. But that no longer matters. That's not the reason you belong. The reason you belong is you become part of the body. And for us, it means you become part of the church. Um, another way of saying this is you can't be a Christian without a team. And we can think about this considering a great sport, the sport of soccer, or football as we call it in Spain. Um, and you know, my team just won the league in Spain while I was there. Unfortunately, the team is Barcelona and I was in Madrid, so I kind of celebrated like, yay. <laughs> it gets pretty aggressive. Um, but with soccer, just like any other uh, team sport, right, basketball, football, you can't play without a team. I mean, you can play golf without a team, but you can't play soccer without a team. It just, it doesn't work. You're doing something different. And that's what Paul's saying here. You can't be a Christian without a team. If you say, um, and, and like we hear it all the time, don't we? We hear people say, I love Jesus. I just can't do the church thing. Or um, the, the other one is, I'm a fan of Jesus, just not of the church. Well, here's what Paul would answer. and say, what Jesus is this? Who, who are you talking about? Because Jesus is identified with the church fully. That's who Jesus is. You can't be a Christian without the local church. And this is the reason he gets in this fascinating metaphor of the body, right? It's, that's how big of a deal it is to become a Christian. It's like being a finger on a hand or a hand on an arm. Um, I mean, look how he says it. If we go down to verse 15, he, he uses this metaphor and he says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make, that would not make it any less part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of a body. And this is strange imagery. You may be used to it as a Christian, but listen to it well. He's saying, the hand can't be a hand without the body. It just it doesn't work. It's almost gory to think about kind of a hand crawling around. Um, there's nothing stranger to say, I want to follow Jesus, but I, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be part of a church. It doesn't work. Now, of course, this, this doesn't mean the church is perfect. Um, after all, Paul is writing this letter to the most dysfunctional church we know of in history, um, at, at least in the early church history. <laughs> we probably have more examples now. Um, it's, a, it's an incredibly dysfunctional church. We've been reading this letter. That there's been divisions. In fact, he's, he's writing into a context of terrible divisions. So he's not saying the church is perfect, but he's saying there's no other way to do it. There's no other way to do it. And of course, there's also churches that, or, or places that call themselves churches that don't belong to the body of Christ. If, if, if you go to a place that calls itself a church and doesn't preach Christ, the God-man who died for your sins and was resurrected, they belong to some other body. We, we don't know what they're preaching. It's, it's something different. He's not saying any community that calls themselves, but he says, you have to belong to a church that preaches this Christ and that lives it out. He's saying that Christians belong here in the body. A way we, we like to say at Christ's community is the local church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. The local church is God's plan A. There's not an alternative to being part of a church. I'm sorry. That's all there is. You belong here. So let me ask us this morning, what, what is church to you? Is it a place you go or a place you belong? What is church? And look, no matter where you're coming from, even if you're just starting this thing called Christianity, the church is an opportunity for you to fully belong. And let me say this as a pastor this morning, representing the leadership um, of the church, welcome. You are welcome here. You belong here. No matter where you're coming from, no matter what you look like, no matter what your background is, you, you belong here. Come. We welcome you. And I understand the church hasn't gotten this right. The, the, global ch- the, the church has messed up on this a lot. And us as a local church, we don't get this right. We're still racially fragmented. Just have to look around. We're do, we, we do a terrible job welcoming certain kinds of people. It's really hard for us. There's certain groups that just don't feel welcome in our church. That's why we need this letter more than ever. That's what Paul's writing to us as a church. And, and so let me ask you, as, as a member here, what, what are we doing together as a church to welcome people? I mean, do you really believe this? Do you act like you belong? Do you show up like a priority? I was saying this morning, probably you guys got that one right. I mean, <laughs> Labor Day weekend, it's raining. Good job. But, but I mean, think about that seriously. Do we show up like a priority, like we actually belong? Do we talk to people? Do we welcome people at the door, especially people that look different than us, that, that belong to a different soci- social class, or that we talk to them, we have nothing in common with them? Are we, are we making an effort to welcome them, to learn about them? Do you help? Are you using your gift? Are you meeting a need and are you giving financially? That's what this is talking about. Are you offering your friendship to others and receiving theirs? Are you in a community group? This is what it means to belong. And I know this, this sounds self-serving, like, well, of course, you're the pastor. Of course, you're going to tell us that we have to give. Um, but it's not about Christ's community. This is about the local church everywhere. Maybe this isn't your local church. Find one. Go to one. Get involved. Belong to a local church. That's what being a Christian is. That's a major part of it. Christ is inviting you into his body. Take him up on it. Try it out. You belong here. You belong in church. And we need you. That's Paul's second point. He says, you belong here, but we belong together. We actually need each other. 
Um, and this is where gifts come in. This is where the conversation and gifts come in. There's, there's places where I'm strong and you're weak, and there's places where you're weak and I'm strong. <laughs> See what I did there? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> where you're strong and I'm weak, right? There's, there's weakness and strength. I'm just checking if you guys were listening. This is a, a pastor trick. So let, let, let's read that section. This is verse, verses 17. Look at verse 17 with me. Um, and again, we're going to read to verse 20. Look what he says. He says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? Sorry. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. For example, it's, it's a real good thing that we aren't all just a pair of feet. And to illustrate this and to show you how ridiculous this is, I'm going to depend on my friend Dwight Schrute. Let's watch. Why? 20 minutes a day, Jim. That's all it takes. 20 minutes a day, all feet, no hands, and I'll have the pedodexterity of a chimp, and you'll be sitting there like an idiot. Okay, here we go. Ah, yes. Do you mind? I'm sorry, Pam. Allow me to write you an apology letter. You don't have to do that. D. E. A. Please, A, dear. Thank you, Hans. Nothing else in the universe can do what you do. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. Dwight, it's okay. You were wrong. So hot. for effort, right? Thank you, hands. Nothing else in the whole universe can do what you do. And feet, and eyes, and ears. That's what he's saying in verse 21. He says, I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. What's so important here is how he starts talking about weakness. Paul emphasizes these weaker parts the less honorable parts. It's really fascinating how he does that. Look at that with me in verses 22 and, and following. He says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, on those parts we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. And you see, like the Corinthians, we tend to value certain gifts more than others. In our culture of celebrities, gifts that are visible, those are the ones we tend to lift up, and often we forget and we devalue other gifts. Here at Christ Community, for example, we probably, we probably know, we tend um, to, to exalt certain gifts, like speaking, that's a really important gift for us, or leading worship, or thinking strategically. And, and often we get caught in this thing of saying those gifts are more important than others, and people that don't have those gifts feel like, maybe I'm just a toenail, or, may, or maybe I'm something that doesn't belong. But here's the issue. Every single one of the gifts that God has given, or every single one of the gifts God has given the church, every single gift God has given you is important for the church. It's important for the body. We need you. We need to be together. And you may be saying, okay, sure, I get it. But I just serve coffee, or I just carry kids, or I just just change diapers, or I just do the welcome. And here's what Paul's saying to you this morning. Don't you dare say I just. Don't you dare say that. 
your gift, what you're bringing is vital for this church. It's important. We need you. Even if people aren't seeing that, it's important. We're a body. Look, you can't see the kidneys, but I'm pretty sure if you don't have kidneys, you will die, right? We can't see the lungs, but that doesn't make them less important. And yes, someone is the colon. You know who you are. <laughs> but here's the thing. You don't, you don't get to choose the gift that you get. I'm sorry, Mr. Colon. Um, that's kind of the point of a gift, isn't it? Someone gives you a gift. It's given to you. You don't get to choose it. You don't get to purchase it. And God has given you this gift. Look how Paul puts it in verses 24 and following. He says, but, who, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Isn't that amazing? God is giving greater honor to the part that lacks it. That's how the church works. In verse 25, he says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, your gift from God, your gift is from God and your gift is purposely incomplete. You need others even for that gift to work well. To illustrate this, let's go back to the best sport in the world. Let's go back to soccer um, or football or baseball. It doesn't really matter. But I mean, think about it. In, these sport, in, in any team sport, there's players that are more gifted in some things, right? Someone's better at shooting. Someone's better at blocking. Someone's better at the strategic passes. Um, someone's better at, at striking or scoring. Um, but no one is gifted with everything. And here comes a soccer joke. This is a TCK joke, except for Lionel Messi. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, someone got it. Thank you. He's the best player in the world. But even the best player in the world, okay, maybe it's LeBron James in basketball or whatever, he can't do two things at once. He can't be a striker and a goalkeeper. You just can't do it. You're in opposite sides of the field. And that's what this is saying here. Everyone is important. And no one has been gifted all the gifts. It just doesn't work that way. And just like a sports team, if one person fails the shot, everyone hurts. If one person makes it, everyone celebrates. That's how the church works together. That's what he says. If one person suffers, all suffer together. So let me ask you this morning, who are the people you need? And who are the people that need you? Who are the people you need? And I I know, I know what it's like. I have the personality. I hate needing things. I hate needing people, especially. But there's no way to get around this. Not if we're a body. So who do you need? Are you hanging out with them? Are you letting them know that you need them? And let's just say you're that one person, just for the sake of the argument, you're the one person in the world who does not need anyone. You're the one hand that's fine crawling around on its own. Okay, we get that. People still need you. We need you as a church. We need your gifts. This is why last week we said it's so important for you to figure out what your gifts are and how to use them. It doesn't matter if it's flashy or exciting or entirely behind the scenes and unnoticed. In fact, most gifts function in the unnoticed. But just like the body, find your gifts and use them. Practice them. Get better at them. Discipline yourself so that you can use these gifts for the body. And remember last week we talked about this. We said three things. We said look out for the needs of the community. Look out. Figure out what are the needs of the community. That's your first step. Before trying to exalt your gift, find what the needs are. Then look in. Figure out what, what, what are my passions? What are the things I do well? Um, take the assessment that we sent you. Try to figure out what, what do I do best? What are my gifts? And then look around. Look around to the people around you and ask, what do you see in me? What can you confirm? What, where am I wrong? You belong. We need you here. You belong here and we belong together. And the last point Paul makes is this. We belong to him. We belong to him. You see, the thing with bodies is each and every body needs a head. And there's only one head to this body. It's not me, it's not you, it's not Gabe, it's not Tom, 
It's not even Billy Graham or the Pope. The head of the body is Christ. The head of the church is Christ. And Paul makes this clear, calling it the body of Christ. Look at that in verse 27. I'll read down to the end. He says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Here he asks the questions, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And look, this text is complicated. There's a lot of interpretations and debates. Um, what, what is Paul saying? Is he saying being an apostle is, it, is a more important gift than tongues? And tongues is always last because that's the worst gift. Or, um, or, or, or there's other debates trying to figure out what does it mean um, to prophesy? Is that to preach or is something else going on? Are tongues just speaking different languages or is there kind of angelic tongues? And look, these, these debates, these arguments, they're, it's important. We need to know the context. But if we stay with those debates... If we're stuck with those questions, we're missing the whole point that Paul is trying to make. What Paul is saying here, his main point, is that all gifts must be submitted to one head, to one leader, to the brain, to the one who brings everyone and keeps us all together. It's his body, and he's the head. The head of the body is Christ. And that's what he's getting at in this last thing when he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. You see, it's not about comparing gifts. It's not about trying to accumulate as many as possible um, or, 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 or try to figure out a way to, to fit all the gifts. I was telling in, in the last service, I met this guy when I was a teenager, when I was like 18, and, he, and he, was, he was trying to convince this girl that he was flirting with that he had all the spiritual gifts. Um, and, it, and it was kind of funny because I went up to him like, really, you have all the spiritual He's like, yeah, I've done all the tests. I have all of them. <laughs> like, oh, do you have the gift of celibacy? <laughs> He's like, well, um. so that ended. Um, that ended well. And that just proved my gift, which is to be annoying. It's not in the Bible, but it will be. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But, so it's not about accumulating gifts or proving that you have the highest gifts. What it means is that it, it's about being like the head. It's about being shaped to the head, to desire what the head desires, to desire to be like Christ, to desire love. That's the point of this. And in Ephesians, there's a passage in Ephesians that's very similar to this one where he also talks about gifts and the body, and he makes this even more clear. So I'm going to read that really quick. After describing the different gifts, notice the imperative he gives. This is Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. It should be up on the screen. He says, rather, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, get that? When each part is working properly in its function, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, there's a deep gospel truth here. Deep inside each one of us, every person longs to love and to be loved. We long to belong to a community like, we've, like we're talking about, and we've tried it. And, and, and more often than not, we've hurt someone or we've been hurt, and we just ended up giving up and conforming with kind of loving. We, we, we've conformed with kind of just... Well, I'll just, I'll just keep stuff for myself and for my kin, and, and, and we'll figure out how it goes from there. And look, we try to use our gifts for our benefit at that point. We try to get stronger, become more independent, and look, that leads us to use the church for our gain, for our good, for our social advancement, and sometimes even for financial gain. That's what happens. We start using the church and loving ourselves. We start using people and loving ourselves. We try to be the gift and our head at the same time. 
and it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because we were designed to have one head, and that is Christ. We were made to have one head, which is Christ. And you see, when Christ is the head, everything changes. When Christ is the one whom you trust for your instructions, whom you allow to govern your life, whom you aspire to be like, then love is actually possible. And how do we do this? How do we let God, how do we let Christ be the head of our lives? By becoming weak. That's what Paul's saying here. By confessing that you can't do this on your own. By trusting that Christ, who showed his love for you by becoming a low-class colonized human in a poor society, that's what he did for you, the God of the universe, and came and he lived a life that we couldn't live and showed love and showed it so deeply that he ended up being killed for it because we couldn't stand seeing someone that actually loved right. And then he gave his life for us. He d- died the death that we should have died, and then he was risen to show us the hopes, the life that we could have, that we can have. That's the person we need to trust. That's the love. That's, that's the head of the church. That's the head I want to be under. That's the head we should be under. And what Paul's saying is trust in him for your love. Trust in him for your guidance. Trust in him to build and keep you in the community you've always longed for. Then, and only then, will your gifts make sense. Then they'll function properly and you'll find pure joy in serving others and not just average frustration in getting what you want out of church. That's when the body functions properly, when it builds itself up in love. And look, when you get to that point, you don't need the flashier gifts um, or to serve in ways that are visible. You don't need to prove that you belong with your gifts. Here's, Here's what I'm saying. You don't have to use your gifts to prove you belong. That's what Paul's saying here. It's not about if you have a stronger or a weaker gift. Your gifts aren't what make you belong. You can try that. It'll work for a little bit. People may be impressed for a while, but it won't last. You belong because Christ has invited you to belong to his body. It's not because of anything you did or anything you gave. It's because he invited you to come and he made those gifts that he had put, put in you. Now they make sense. You can actually serve others and, and use them well and not have to protect them and make sure no one sees. And this is what he's calling us to do now. Now that you belong, now that you don't need to prove anything, seek the higher gifts. Seek love. And we're going to see more of this next week as we go into chapter 13. But let me just end with this. In the church, in the community, seek the higher gifts. Seek love. And what does that look like? There's two things. First, remember what Christ did for you and why you're here. Remember what Christ did for you and why you're here. You belong not because of your gifts, not because of what you bring to the table. You belong because Christ invited you into his family. It's not because of your ethnicity. It's not because of your color, your family ties, where you come from, how much theological knowledge you come. None of that matters. It's because Christ invited you into his body. You belong because you were invited in. But then secondly, share your gifts with others. Because Christ invited us all here, we belong together. We belong sharing our gifts. Christ set the table for us to sit around this meal and love each other. Get better at your gift. Get better, train it. Not for yourself, but for the team, for the church, for Christ's body. Consider your gifts, desire the higher gift. Desire love to enable yourself to give yourself away. Friends, this morning, let's give thanks that we belong. We belong here. We belong together and we belong to him. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that this longing that we all have to fully and truly belong, that there is a reason for it. 
there is a reason, Lord, that we desire to have this kind of community, to love each other despite our differences. And we thank you, Lord, because in our weakness and in our separations and in our, ego, in our selfish way of trying to accumulate gifts, you stopped us and you said, look, I died for you. You don't have to prove yourself. Thank you, Lord, for Christ and all he brings and that we, through the Holy Spirit, you've united us to Christ and we can actually use our gifts to love one another. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would instill in us um, the remembrance of what you have done and help us love one another, Lord, the way that you loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.